If I had one suggestion on a New Year's resolution for you, it would be this. Please, whatever you do, don't be a jellyfish. Okay, I'll explain in just a moment. Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here. Hidden headlines, faith, family, freedom. (laughs) By the way, more on me at briansussman.com and my new Instagram page at Brian Sussman Show. That's at Brian Sussman Show. Please follow and please tell your friends. Okay, let's get back to the jellyfish. This comes from something that I'm writing. It's a new book that I hope will be published in 2023. Still have a little work to do yet on this one. But nonetheless, it's uh, <laughs> it has a chapter where I talk about jellyfish. Now, I'm not, by the way, I'm not going to tell you the name of this book because that hasn't been approved by any publisher at this point in time. And I have learned, and every published author will tell you this, don't ever share the title of the book before it's published because basically no one ever likes the title. (laughs) They just don't. (laughs) So experienced authors realize, why do I need negative feedback right off the bat? I'm working my tail off trying to put this book together night and day, always thinking about it. Rewrite, 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 rewrite. And by the way, regarding rewriting, uh, before I wrote my first book, Climate Gate, I had a friend of mine who I consulted who, my friend, I'm not, I can't tell you his name, uh, but he has written dozens of books for lots of other people. And so he's, he's like a, a ghostwriter of sorts. He writes, other, he writes books for other people, and uh, he told me, you always want to rewrite a book 27 times. Not 26, 27 The point he was making was, it's a constant effort to rewrite, 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 rewrite to the point where you drive yourself crazy. And then you give it to an editor who's working with the publisher and the editor comes back to you with all of these revisions that they like to see. Anyway, let's talk about jellyfish. I'm I'm looking at a, a proverb from King Solomon. It's proverb one, verse four. And he says that in this first chapter of Proverbs, he wants to give subtlety to the simple and to the young man, knowledge and discretion. So subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. What does that even mean? Now we talk about jellyfish. They have an odd place in the animal world's hierarchy because they possess this hypnotic-like elegance I mean, you've, you've probably been to the, the aquarium before, or maybe you've watched some show on Netflix where they're talking about the jellyfish. They repetitively pulsate through the ocean with brilliant translucent appendages that sparkle as they drift through the water. But, and they're just, they're unbelievably beautiful. But if you've ever seen a jellyfish that has washed up on the beach, They are basically unattractive blobs of spineless yuck. And something else about jellyfish, they can sting. And sometimes the sting can be deadly. So where am I going with this? It's real simple. Jellyfish remind me of the era in which we currently find ourselves. Countless individuals have become hypnotized 
by spurious splendor and mystical deception. Plain facts have been traded for fanciful rhetoric. Many, too many have become casualties of the collateral damage caused by the mental and emotional trickery being played upon the masses. I'll give you an example, prime example, fake news. I was in the television news biz, as many of you know, for 20 years. Now, I'm not talking about my talk radio career. I'm talking about the TV news biz. And most of that career was in San Francisco back in the day when local television was a primary source of information. I recall having an argument with an executive producer regarding a news story that he wanted me to front. I felt the editorial angle he was pushing was politically motivated and also unproven. So I wanted nothing to do with the story. I didn't want to front his story, which involved actually getting me on a plane and flying me to another location. I wanted nothing to do with it. And he pulled me aside and in somewhat of a whisper so everyone in the newsroom wouldn't hear this because we were having a, a very loud back and forth and then he pulls me aside and says this, Brian, your problem is you don't know which facts to leave out. And I, I think it was one of those rare times in my life where I was speechless. His, his reply to me, you don't know which facts to leave out, that was the catalyst for me to walk away mid-contract from the business I once loved. I mean, I, I went to college. I just, I wanted to be involved in local TV. And uh, local TV news or, or news and information programming, that's what I wanted to do. And here's this guy just basically calling it like it is and letting me know, hey, dude, <laughs> you got a problem. And it's not going to work in this business much longer. So I left, mid-contract, left, and then eventually went into talk radio. But this bias exhibited by that producer has so greatly expanded over the years. You know, point-counterpoint journalism is now a rare commodity. Uh, even Fox News, they, they've got their angle, they've got an editorial angle, and they don't do the point-counterpoint. Newsmax, eh, what? I'm just, there's nobody that does this anymore. Maybe because it's not sexy and it won't sell. I don't know. But nobody's doing that anymore. But social media, uh-oh. <laughs> uh, fortunately, I don't have, this, you know what this alarm is? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> as long as you're here. This is the alarm that tells me it's four in the afternoon and I've got to take my grandkids to piano lessons. But because I'm recording this on Monday the 26th <laughs> of December, there are no piano lessons today. So false alarm. But so the news biz, the news biz, the bias that was produced, or I should say that the producer exhibited, has expanded over the years. Point-counterpoint journalism is a rare commodity. Slick video and audio editing is used to get subjects to say what they never meant to say. It's so easy to do. You can do this. You can, you can do an interview with anybody, and with just a few little edits, you can make them say something that they did not mean to say. And now with Photoshopping, I mean, my gosh, you can, actually, you can actually create visual scenes that never existed. 
Not only are news consumers deceived, but the head honchos at these news operations now justify such manipulation. They see it as imperative to win an argument in the public square. And social media has taken this deception to a completely different level. For example, look at Facebook. Look at Facebook and their various business entities. Facebook is certainly one of the foremost foundational platforms for communication, news, analysis, etc. And the etc. includes this, augmented, augmented reality, that's AR, virtual reality, VR, and extended reality, XR. This is why the company rebranded themselves to Meta, M-E-T-A, short for Metaverse, as in beyond the known universe. Facebook is positioning themselves to define a new reality, a new reality, a virtual space where users can come together in a self-contained world that will offer immersive experiences to anyone who wants to enter. It's, it's the metaverse. It's augmented. It's virtual. It's extended. It's not real. So first it was fake news. Then it was various kinds of manipulation and deception. And now, now it's, it's not even real. But it's all incredibly real. High-tech illusion is the norm and an entire generation is heartily chomping at the bit for more. Okay, here's another simple example. You wish somebody was never there. You want to just get that person out of your life. Poof, get rid of them. Use your camera's easy editing features now to forever remove the undesired and create your own version of history. Poof, they're gone. Virtual reality experiences are serving as a substitute for human contact. I mean, just look at the little things we like to do. Avatars and emojis can conceal your actual appearance and your emotions and your countenance. Well, why not create a completely animated you, loosely based on biometrics? It might bring more likes and more friends and and even more fame. You know, for some, this is all in good fun. But for many, many This is real life. And such technology and its profound acceptance can quickly slip one into hell. When you consider, for example, how the portfolios of the porn industry are embracing AR, VR, and XR. I'm not even going to waste my breath talking about that corner of darkness. But all of this is emblematic of an age marked by collective delusion, collective delusion. You see, facts are being traded for fiction. Logic has succumbed to nonsense. Morality is being conquered by increased depravity. Those in the collective, the collective delusion, those people in the collective delusion are operating at a level below words. They're in a seam of pure feelings. So let's cut to the chase here. What we are witnessing, my friends, is supernatural. Now I'll get religious on you. Satan, in his ultimate effort of desperately attempting to convince humanity that God doesn't exist, has launched a full-scale assault against knowledge and discretion. Okay, you say it's not satanic, then what is it? I say it's satanic. 
there is a full-scale assault against knowledge and discretion. And on the surface, here we go, the tie-in, it's like jellyfish. Looks brilliant. Oh, so wonderful. Oh, the technology. But really, so much of it is like yucky globs of goo washed up on the sand, complete with a poisonous stinger that can steer a soul from discovering the very creator of the universe. This really is not just collective delusion. It's a collective delusion of the highest order. And I'm just saying this now to my brothers and sisters who are Christians. God's people must be wary of this supernatural plot. Open-mindedness is not a Christian virtue. Any believer who toys with it is going to fall into the same devilish trap by which Adam and Eve were ensnared. Okay, look at this. Stay with me, please. Look how many open minds have become today. Um, well, look how open minds today have become many at a very elemental human level. Gender and marriage. We'll start there. They've been radically redefined. Open mind. Boys can become girls, even though their chromosomes remain forever male. Open mind. Marriage, as originally defined in the Garden of Eden, is now open to a variety of arrangements. Open mind. Biological men are said to be able to give birth. Open mind. You see, once our minds are open to open-mindedness, all ideas, no matter how absurd, can come as go as they please, complete with the total blessing of politicians, confirmation by complicit media fact-checkers, fact-checkers, like over at Snopes, for example, and you can even get a stamp of approval from Hollywood. Hey, they'll make a movie about it. Sadly, even many so-called evangelical churches decline to comment on such matters in a lame effort to get along, and shame on them. Yes, I'll be judgmental for just a moment. Dr. Bert uh, Burke Parsons, he's the chief publishing officer for Ligonier Ministries, has a word for these kind of Christians. He calls them evangelifish. <laughs> yeah, it's a humorous moniker for sure, but, but it's very much on target. You see, as God's people, we need to grow a healthy spine rooted and grounded by the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm thinking evangelifish, who are not placed back into the proper current, are too much like fish who are going with the flow. And generally, fish that are going with the flow are dead. So friends, please, let's don't be evangelifish. Now let's get back to this scripture here, Proverbs 1.4, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. So that's Solomon's goal here. He wants to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Uh, there was a time in my life, no doubt, that I was simple and I was a young man. And in this particular case, young man means boys, adolescents, or even guys up to the age of 20 according to the actual Hebrew word lananar, which is only used once in the entire Bible right here. But trust me, I was that guy, and I have a storehouse filled with examples, and I'll skip over those for the sake of things right now. They'll be in the book, trust me. <laughs> but in the meantime, Solomon makes his intention clear in verse 4. He desires that young men live within the guardrails of knowledge and discretion, 
The word subtlety, it's, it's such a great word. It means prudence. It means having wisdom in practical affairs. And for me, and for so many of us, it means a character makeover. Solomon is writing to his son, but this advice is sound for sons and daughters across the board. For those who sincerely are interested in living in this lane of life, if you want to live in this lane of life, full of discretion and full of wisdom and full of knowledge, there's going to be a chain reaction that occurs because Proverbs will teach the knowledge of things moral, civil, and spiritual to you. Read the book. You'll learn all about morality and civility and spirituality. This insight will aid one in thinking and acting aright, which will then naturally lend itself towards proper behavior and conduct that is truly wise. And this fresh character makeover will then naturally lend itself towards discretion, which will allow easily holding fast to a solid moral code, and it will furnish you with rules for living that will help you thrive in whatever state or condition you may find yourself in. Now, I'm sure some, especially on the left these days, would say, well, isn't this really this makeover you're talking about? Isn't that narrow-minded? Well, when it comes to the things of this world, friends, I think we should be grateful to be so narrow-minded. Because here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. You see, to be properly narrow-minded is to be Jesus-minded. We must stand faithful and firm against the satanic pluralism of the day. We must live, move, and exist for him alone, as Paul says in Acts chapter 17, 28. Live, move, and exist for him. And Ephesians 3, verse 17 through 19, also written by Paul, we must be rooted and grounded in him, Jesus. Rooted and grounded, this is part of the character makeover. It means having a personal foundation built on the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And while technology launches towards the metaverse, where to steal a line from Star Trek, no man has ever gone before. As followers of Jesus, we are able to venture light years beyond the virtual space filled with lustrous yet poisonous jellyfish and instead fully comprehend a four-dimensional relationship with God, width, length, height, and depth. What am I talking about there? Well, let's go back to Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, which I only talked about briefly. The full verse says this, May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. That is cool. And then, of course, there's discretion, which Solomon talks about, which is kind of doubling down on the word knowledge. Discretion begins with the quality of being discreet. To be discreet means wise or prejudiced in avoiding mistakes or faults, prudent, circumspect, cautious, not rash. In other words, discretion is exercising judgment tempered with these attributes to arrive at a final decision or outcome. In fact, in the second chapter of Proverbs, Solomon says, discretion will watch over you. See, a person who has discretion has courage and resolve to stand up 
stand up and, and say, no, this is not the direction which I want to go in life. I don't want to be a jellyfish. I'm not going with the flow. Someone with discretion is not going to be subject to a group mentality or a mob mentality. Somebody with discretion is going to be caring about the approval of their peers. Someone with, with discretion isn't going to be the pastor of an evangelifish church. Discretion, these are guardrails that keep you from plummeting off a dangerous embankment. Better yet, compared to a blinking light of caution that a bridge is out or the road is obstructed, discretion is your internal warning system that danger may lie ahead. I'm going to close with a story here. It involves two boys. I knew both of these young guys. They were in their early teens. I'm thinking maybe 12 or 13. They came from a very troubled family, and they uh, attended our church on a regular basis. But there were some problems in the family, and we arranged for these boys to, uh, to, to be cared for by the church for a period of time. And I recall one of the boys telling me that he laid in a bunk bed that very first night. This was a, a, a little house attached to the church, and it was well-supervised. And he, he laid in that bunk bed apart from his, his parents, and on that very first night, he, he was thanking God for taking good care of, of him and his brother. And he said he gave his life to the Lord that night. And he said that God truly became his father on that night. The other boy never made that confession of faith. And it's interesting, as they progressed in their teens, the one boy got an after-school job driving a delivery van for a startup in the Silicon Valley. And the other dropped out of school and started having run-ins with the law. The small startup grew, and the young man kept working his way up the ladder, got married, had some kids, and now has an executive role in that company, which went public. Uh, he's, I think he's, gosh, he's a single-digit employee. I mean, he's way up there on the food chain. He's had a great life. He's, he's a man of wisdom. He's a man of knowledge. He's a man of subtlety. He's a man of discretion. But his brother never went in that direction. He was going with the flow. And his poor decisions led him to a premature death. You see, friends, we need to be discerning. We need to hang into, I should say, hang on to the Word of God and hang in there when opposition is flying in our face. So here's my suggested prayer as I close. It's based on Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Father, may the eyes of my heart be enlightened so that I will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glorious inheritance I have through your Son. Amen. Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom. Don't forget my Instagram page, at Brian Sussman Show. A lot of inspiration there. That's my intent, to equip and encourage. And I appreciate your listenership on these Hidden Headlines podcasts. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. God bless you, my friends. Until next time.